All right. Wow, that's some scary pastors right there. Come on. That's amazing. Hey, listen, uh, welcome, guys. Uh, my name's Tail Mandel. Let's welcome all our campuses who are joining us. What's up, guys? Glad you're with us today. Welcome. We've kicked off this series, Smart in Faith, and uh, uh, at our epic worship uh, celebration last Sunday down in Ocean Grove. Who was there? Make some noise if you were in Ocean Grove. It was awesome. It really was. If you missed it, man, ah, oh, that was epic. It was finally all six campuses under one roof. I just had so many good memories just laughing this week as I looked at some of these pictures, but it felt like kind of like an old school revival, you know, in the great auditorium. Uh, God gave us an awesome day. It was sunny and 72 degrees, praise God. And uh, can we thank our incredible volunteers? Those of you who are the parking team, hospitality, you can... All our teams, they just did, I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, we had a team of all-star worship leaders from every campus kind of rip the roof off the place. And uh, Pastor Kyra and Kyler did a great job uh, hosting, even though there was a shark attack, uh, you know, there on stage. There were sharks everywhere. We actually had sharks floating in the air uh, on stage during the sermon. That was amazing. Uh, if you missed it, we did have a mini Spartan contest between our campus pastors uh, there. And Pastor Keon has a stronger core than you think, man, I'll tell you. But Pastor Chris Capua from Monmouth County won. That guy, with, he flipped over the warped wall. Yeah, here for Chris. It was kind of cool. He, pastor Chris is actually going to be our new campus pastor for Liquid Monmouth County. So let's congratulate him and his wife, Judy. They're amazing people. We just had a powerful moment as a church just praying for Chris and Judy and uh, commissioning them. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, that campus will be meeting at the Ocean Township High School uh, starting on September 8th. That's a grand opening. It's about 15 minutes north of Ocean Grove. We're very grateful to be there. And uh, what we'll be doing in July and August is actually hosting Saturday night services in the Great Auditorium. Uh, every Saturday night, I'm going to go down and preach live and our live worship, the whole thing. Six o'clock, it's just a chance to kind of build our, our core team who's going to launch Monmouth. Uh, so if you're on vacation now, sure, come by. We're going to have people from, you know, Asbury and Bradley Beach and Bell, even the pagans in Belmar are going to come on up. Uh, <laughs> six o'clock, we're going to have a great time. And, uh, you know, it was awesome because uh, I kind of vision cast last week with a message about Gideon. If you remember this warrior who God raised up, he had 300, you know, soldiers uh, to, to uh, defend an enemy army. But during the message, uh, a shark floated on stage. And uh, you remember that? But I showed, I told you, Fat Thor can still drop the hammer, okay? I just, uh, it, it can happen. But then to me, what was made it all worth it was beach baptisms. Uh, because, guys, God literally made the sun stand still for us. Amen? Our prayer team, I think they prayed hour by hour, pushing the clouds back, right? The thunder, the lightning, it was like at 12 o'clock, then it was 1 o'clock, then 2 o'clock. And uh, it didn't end up showing up at all. And it's funny, somebody said to me, man, Liquid always has all the luck. And I was like, no, Liquid has all the prayer. We, amen? We have a secret weapon. We had, I'm telling you, you don't, you see, you, like, you just like come on Sunday, you don't know what happens behind the scenes. We have this prayer team. And we had a call on Thursday night, and I mean, these prayer warriors, they, like, they were like declaring and decreeing God to make the sun stand still, and he did. So understand how the church works. It's the prayers of a few that secures the blessing of the many. And uh, it was a gorgeous day. Uh, our, our pastors had their wetsuits on, and this is, this is what it's all about, guys. This is uh, uh, Bill, his daughter, Pastor Mike there. Just such a powerful day. Uh, 235 men, women, and children made that public declaration of their faith in Jesus Christ. And just to, just to understand, you're part of something. This isn't normal. But since launching the church, we have now baptized 2,398 people in Jesus' name. That's not normal. All right, that's not normal, guys. 
Like we're, we're getting a little taste of revival here. So I'm just so proud of you. You really are that faith-filled army of believers uh, storming the gates of hell. So uh, that's really what this series is about, uh, about the faith of a warrior. Uh, we named it Spartan Faith. I told you last week after the legend of Sparta, where you have King Leonidas in ancient Greece. He had that small band of 300 warriors who stood up to the Persian army of, of a million. Uh, and we said, that's a legend, but the Bible has a real-life true story of a real-life 300. Uh, Gideon, who God raised up as a judge, not a judge with like a, a wig, but a judge, a military leader, uh, God took this humble farmer who said, I'm, I'm just weak, I'm nothing, and he turned him into this fearless warrior who actually led Israel to its greatest military victory in ancient history. Uh, Gideon, if you remember, was outnumbered 450 to 1, which are pretty bad odds. Uh, but what we learned is when it's God plus you, it's a majority every single time. Amen? Uh, Gideon had the word of the Lord. He had the fire of the Holy Spirit. And God rewarded him with victory. Can everyone say that word? Victory. Yeah. Now, the Bible has many women, men of faith, who lived a victorious life like Gideon. And if you think about it, the longest list that you will find in the Bible is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. So this is in the New Testament. And this chapter has been described as the Bible's hall of faith. You know, like, you know, sports, right? Baseball, basketball, you got a hall of fame. This is the Bible's hall of faith. Like these are the, super, these are the men and women who are teaching us how to walk by faith. So understand, the Bible said, we've got these Old Testament heroes who are going to teach you, New Testament believers, how to live by faith. And here's what Hebrews 11 says. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. So faith is about what's going to happen in the future. This is all about the future. And it's assurance about what we don't see. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. So we don't just trust what our eyes see. It's what God's saying. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Now, have you ever wondered what it really means to walk by faith? right? Because, you know, you hear that term a lot, you know, have faith, you know, but we're kind of lazy about it. I think we have to explain what exactly is faith. How do you define it? Well, you can define it a lot of ways, but I, I love this definition by Dr. Tony Evans, who, who helped me with this message. Dr. Evans says this, he says, faith is acting like God is telling the truth before you see the results. In other words, you're going to do something, and I can't really see the reality of this, and it doesn't even, I'm not even sure it's going to really happen, you know, based on the statistics and the evidence right now. But I'm going to act like God's telling the truth, and I'm going to do it anyway. Now, if you think about it, you and I, whether you're a Christian or not, you have faith all the time. You, you, you act in faith. For instance, uh, if you watch the news and the weatherman says, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow, uh, you in faith, you grab your umbrella, right? Okay, and, and you go out the door. Now, I want you to think about this. If you have faith in a weatherman <laughs> who is right, or I should say wrong, 50% of the time, right? How do we doubt a God who is 100% right all of the time? Amen? God tells the truth 100% of the time, even if you don't see the evidence or the results of it with your eyes. And so Hebrews 11 is going to tell us about these men and women of faith uh, heroes like Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Moses and Joshua and Caleb, Ruth, Joseph, David, who are known for actually stepping out when nobody else would and stepping up and taking God at his word. Now, they're not perfect. A lot of ways, they're just like you and me. They stumble, they fall, they, they trip up, they drop the ball, but they live by faith. They act in their ordinary life. 
let God's tell the truth even when they can't see the evidence. So today I want to talk about a hero of faith highlighted in Hebrews 11 verse 7, a man named Noah. Can you say that? Noah. All right. In verse 7, we're introduced to this guy named Noah. Probably you, you know the best, one of the best-known stories, right? Noah and the ark. Okay, some of you are like, what is this trick question? Uh, I, I get it, right? Back in the day, right, a lot of people, yeah, you, you heard Noah and the ark like in Sunday school or whatever it was growing up. Today, honestly, just people are just sort of biblically illiterate. They're not quite sure. I actually had a guy once say, oh, I know Noah. That's the guy who got, you know, swallowed by the whale, right? I'm like, no, that's, that's Jonah and the whale. Noah's the guy with the boat. And he's like... Right, right, right. He's married to uh, Joan of Arc, right? Is that the one? Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Let's set the record straight. Here's what verse 7 says. It was by what? Faith. That Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He who warned him about things that had never happened before. In other words, Noah lived his life like God was telling the truth, even though it had never reigned in history before. See, Noah lived thousands and thousands of years before the time of Jesus Christ, and the earth at that time was fed by underground springs. And the story of Noah's life involves not just one flood, but two floods. See, first, in Noah's day, the world was totally flooded with evil. People just ignored God, they wanted him out of the culture, and they did very wicked, violent things, and only Noah is left. And God said, Noah, I'm actually going to now send a physical flood to wipe the earth clean and start over. And Noah, I choose you. I choose you. Now, why did God choose Noah? Let's read the original account in Genesis 6. That's how we're going to do it these next few weeks. We'll look at the verse in Hebrews, and then we'll go to the backstory in Genesis. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Let's uh, do this, church. Whenever you see something in yellow, let's read that word out loud together. Noah was a... Man, blameless among the people of his time. And what did he do? He walked faithfully with God. So if you're taking notes, three things to see immediately, right? First off, Noah was righteous. Yeah, in other words, he lived to please God. And secondly, he was blameless. Now, what does blameless mean? It doesn't mean he's perfect. It just means he had integrity with people. He had the right motives behind what he chose to do. And the reason he could be righteous and blameless had to do with his walk. The Bible says Noah walked what? Faithfully with God. It means he was full of faith. So he was on the same page that God was on. And let me tell you, this is a great thing. Here's a secret. When you walk with God, it means the Spirit's walking in step with you. Amen? So Noah's filled with integrity and character and faith. He wasn't perfect. In fact, later in his life, he sins, he gets drunk, he falls down in front of his family. It's embarrassing. Walking by faith doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean you have a heart to please God. You live your everyday life in a way that actually makes God smile. You know, you make God happy. Nothing makes God happier than when he sees one of his children walking by faith, acting like their daddy in heaven is telling the truth even before they see the results. In other words, faith is the biggest factor in every decision you make. God's real to you. That's what it was to Noah. But here's what's interesting. What makes Noah unique is the world around him. He lived in a very wicked world. In fact, the number of people who were walking faithfully with God had dwindled down to one, <laughs> him. It says in Genesis 6, verse 5, the Lord saw how great the of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only 
evil all the time. I mean, that's, that's, that's like hardcore. You ever watch the news and feel like that? <laughs> I just watch the news. It's like it's evil all the time, right? Oh, yeah, every four days. You know, it's like mass school shooting, right? Violence, opioid epidemics, economic injustice. There's government corruption. There's global terrorism. It's like evil all the time, 24-7. It's upsetting. Verse 6 says, the Lord was upset. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was what? It was an interesting translation of deeply troubled. It says, it broke the heart of God. So understand when God watches the news, it actually breaks, it troubles him too, right? We, we kind of surf the news, but God's like actually watching down, and he even knows our motives, and he looks at the, the violence and the greed and the corruption, the lying and the murder in our culture, and his heart is grieved. And so it says, so the Lord said, I'll wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So Noah is the only exception to the rule. Noah is walking with God when nobody else in the culture would do it. No, he's the only one who says, you know, I'm not actually going to go along with the crowd. I'm going to be out of step with the world because I'm marching to the beat of a different drum. It says his whole world had become wicked. And if you, if you read Genesis, you'll find there's all sorts of violence and immorality and lying and killing and corruption. Again, not that different than our world today, right? So understand, in this moment of what we're reading, the world is about to go to hell in a handbasket. And God is heartsick. And as creator, he says, you know what? I'm going to hit three buttons. Control, alt, delete. <laughs> I'm going to reboot this whole thing, okay? Like we got we to do a hard stop, hard reboot. I'm going to wash the world clean of sin and start over. And guys, all joking aside, you know what? That's going to happen. That's going to happen again. When Jesus returns, he's returning to judge the earth. And people don't like to talk about that, okay? I'll just be honest. They don't like to talk about God's judgment. They say, well, Tim, don't be negative. You know, everything seems to be going pretty well, right? Well, kind of happy, you know. Let's not, let's, not, let's not look at the wickedness around us. Let's not pretend that millions of children aren't being sex trafficked or millions of babies are being aborted. We don't want to see that. Let's pretend our culture doesn't celebrate violence and celebrate perversity and can't even tell its right hand from its left. Guys, you can pretend that you don't see that and you can rebrand wickedness as progress, but God sees it and he's going to judge it one day, just like he did in Noah's day, okay? In fact... In fact, did you know, I know because some of you are like, this is why I don't read the Old Testament. <laughs> I like all that judgment stuff. Did you, did you know in the New Testament, Jesus talked about Noah? And here's what Jesus said. When the Son of Man returns, Jesus, when Jesus comes back, he says, it will be like it was in Noah's day. People were enjoying banquets and parties. They're, you know, they got champagne mommies drinking Moe and, you know, playing a Drake. They're going to enjoy weddings right up to the time. Noah entered his boat, and people didn't realize what was going to happen until when? The flood came and swept them all away. So this, this is Jesus. This is, Jesus is like, judgment's coming. This is just Jesus telling the truth right here, and he points to the example of Noah. Just the, he's like, the world's going to be like that. And then I'm going to return and meet every single person as their savior or as their judge. You choose, right? Now, again, I realize this is like awkward. Like, I'm like, oh, man, it's awkward because we're like, tell me about the God, you know, who thinks the way I do and fulfills all my wishes. I just, I have to tell you the truth, okay? 
The New Testament says a day of judgment is coming, and God says, I'm going to clean the earth again, not with a flood, but with fire next time. And we don't like to talk about that. I, I get that. Like, as Westerners, we're just like, I just want a positive faith that's about, you know, God's for me and grace and love and forgiveness, and all of that is true. But, guys, there's a flip side. God is not just loving and gracious. He is holy and just. And he will only let wickedness go on for so long because in his patience, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to turn back to him. So there is a motive here for getting your life right with God because you and I, God has sovereignly chosen. We live in the days of Noah. Our culture is getting darker. There, there's like, there's, we don't want God in the public place. Yes, we've made technological progress, but it's just the same way it was thousands of years ago. And back to Genesis, it says, the Lord said, so I'm gonna wipe from the face of the earth the the human race, the animals, the birds, the creatures. I regret that I made him. But Noah what? He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. If judgment is coming, you better have favor of God on your life. God says, out of this rotten, stinking, garbage can of a world right now, I'm going to save one person, you, Noah. Why? Because Noah walked faithfully with God, which means he is the odd man out in his world. He's the weirdo. He's the religious weirdo who is like, I'm not conforming to the culture. I'm not just going to go along with all the other evil stuff people do and say, this is awesome. I'm, I'm going to live differently because my purpose is to please the Lord, not please my friends. It's not to please my coworkers. And you know what? You live counter to the culture. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Some of you know what that's like. Some of you work in pressurized environments. Yeah, at school, at work, you got, you got pressure because you're being squeezed because like you're a Christian, you have heaven's values and you're the odd man or woman out. Here's the reason why that feels awkward, guys. Because you and I are now living in a post-Christian culture, meaning it's after Christianity is sort of done as the dominant cultural value. And when you try to actually live for God in a secular world nowadays, a biblical faith it's rejected. It's like it's, it's made fun of. It's scoffed at. It's even attacked. Now it is persecuted. You can actually get prosecuted now for being vocal about your faith. And this is the big takeaway from Noah's life. Listen to me. If you walk with God, you will look odd to the world. That's a fact. That's a truth right out of the Bible. Let's say it together. If you walk with God, you look to the world. Now, now you're not trying to be a weirdo, okay? Like, so just know right now, you're sitting among odd people. Here we are. We're all in the same room, all right? Listen. It's not, okay? You are. <laughs> you're not trying to intentionally, like, stick out or be weird. But if you live by the values of heaven, you will look odd to the world because you don't fit in. You stand out. You stand out at school. You stand out at work. In fact, let me ask you this. This is kind of a haunting question. I don't know what you're going back to tomorrow. Maybe it's work, school. You're finishing up. If they accused you tomorrow, they said, we accuse you, we have evidence that you are a follower of Jesus. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you, or would you be found innocent of all charges? No, 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 no. She's just one of us. She's one of us. She's, she's our people. She's the exact same way that we do. Noah was crystal clear where he stood in his culture, and he walked with God, and that's why God spoke to him. Because when you're walking closely with somebody, they can just lean in and whisper, hey, I'm actually going to destroy the earth and I'm going to save one family, yours. Can I ask, are you walking close enough to God that you would actually hear his voice above the cultural noise if he whispered to you? 
that you're not too far away from him. Because the reality is many Christians go their whole life and they never hear the voice of God. Well, I'm not a pastor. It's not that. It's all the noise of the culture coming at you crowds out the voice of God. God speaks to people who are walking closely to him. He will speak to your mind. He will bring thoughts that you don't think. He'll bring a perspective on a situation you don't have. He'll download fresh revelation to you. God says, Noah, the world is so corrupt and violent, I'm going to wipe it out and start over and have a role for you to play. Here's what I want you to do. Verse 14, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar. You got to be kidding me. Like, seriously, you got to be kidding me. At this point in history, guys, it hadn't even rained. <laughs> At this point, the hydrology of the earth is such that it was watered by underground springs. So people didn't even know what rain looked like. And now there's going to be a flood. Number two, he says, no, I want you to build a boat in the middle of the desert, a <laughs> hundred miles away from the nearest ocean. He's a hundred miles away from the water. So this is a weirdo command. God gives weirdo Noah. <laughs> it's weird. It's going to rain. You've never seen it. I want you to build a boat. There ain't no water. I'm bringing a flood. Listen, hey, we laugh, but let me just tell you, those of you who hear from God, sometimes you know when God gets close to speak to you because he tells you to do something weird because he's preparing to do something big. In fact, the weirder sometimes God gets in leading you, sometimes the bigger the breakthrough he's about to bring. He says, Noah, build a boat on dry land, even though you've never seen rain, you don't know what a flood is, and then he actually gives some precise measurements for the ark. Make the boat, uh, get your tape measure, 450 feet long. This is, a, this is a football field and a half. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Now, now again, this is hard to picture, but I want you to imagine a boat that is one and a half football fields long, as high as a four-story building. The inside of the ark could contain uh, 550 of those freight uh, containers. It was massive. In fact, let me show you a picture. This is actually a real-life photograph from the ark encounter, which they built a man-made replica of the ark down in Kentucky. This is a life-size, full-scale model built according to the biblical specifications. It's massive. It's overwhelming. Now, here's what's interesting. This is fascinating. Just look at it carefully. Noah's ark was exactly six times longer than it was wide. Listen, this is the exact same ratio used by modern shipbuilders today because it is the gold standard for seaworthiness in turbulent water. It's an oil tanker. You see it? It's a mod the same exact specifications as a modern oil tanker or a cargo vessel used today during storms at sea. In other words, Noah became the divine, the, the world's first shipbuilder. And God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download facts over to you, heaven specifications, before thousands of years, before there's manufacturing or engineering. Here's a fun fact. After Noah built this, it wasn't until the late 19th century did a man-made ship of this size get constructed again, okay? So it's like 6,000 years later. Now we see him down in Port Elizabeth. So Understand, Noah, now we look at him like, wow, what a genius now in hindsight. But back in the day, people laughed at his obedience. People were like, you kidding me, dude? Oh, this is the guy doing the boat thing and all that kind of stuff. They mocked his ark. Who builds a boat in the desert? You know how long it took him? 120 years to build it. 
Who devotes 120 years of their life to building something no one ain't ever seen before? Noah, get, do you understand this? God spoke to Noah, and then he spent 120 years waiting on God. Some of you tell me after service, like, Tim, I've been waiting on God a long time. <laughs> I'm like, how long? You're like, I've been praying for like four months, dude. I was like, I ain't seen any rain yet, okay? I haven't seen it. I ain't seen nothing. I don't see a flood. Listen to me. It doesn't mean God is late in keeping his promise. God had a plan for Noah's life. He has a plan for your life too. Verse 17 says, look. Oh, this is where it gets good too. Look. He says, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I'll confirm my covenant with you, my agreement, my relationship. So you enter the boat, you and your wife, your sons and their wives. I want you to bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you, be kept alive. I mean, would it be awesome, by the way, if just time out, like if Noah had just like those two mosquitoes came out, he's like, like that's it. Like, that would be awesome, you know? Come on, why did you do that? All right, keep going. Be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So, Basically, he's like, I want you to build this crazy boat, Noah, and now I want you to do like this roundup of the animal kingdom, all right? You, you know why? Do you know why God saves the animals? Because God cares about the environment, amen? Like he does. Like God is green, okay? He's actually the original environmentalist, all right? <laughs> it's great. One person over here is like, yeah, wait, can, can I say that? I don't... Like, we're so brainwashed by political correctness. We're like, I don't know if I can clap that God loves the world, not just humans. He loves all living things, all right? Give, give God a praise. He's a creator God. Come on. Listen. So Noah builds his ark to fit all the animals. And, and listen to this. If the average animal was the size of a sheep, that ark had room, scientists say, for 125,000 animals. Now, to put that in perspective, in the National Zoo in Washington, D.C., there are 2,000 animals of 400 different species. That means you could fit in that boat 60 national zoos inside of this boat. Crazy, right? Now, I want to pause here because I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are super cynical about this stuff. And you're like, Tim, come on, you really believe that? You know, it sounds like a fairy tale. Well, yes, I do. I do believe that. I do believe the Bible is the literal word of God. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not like, I'm just like, I'm one of the odd ones. I'm weirdo that way, okay? But I believe this is the word of God. And I understand you may have like a, you know, you're like, well, I have a sophisticated modern mind. I got my doubts, all that. Uh, in fact, maybe you heard about the little girl who was uh, giving a report on Noah uh, to her school teacher. And she, you know, she's like, she's like giving the report to the class. She's like, I believe Noah built the ark and then a pair of every animal. And the teacher's like, excuse me, just impossible, okay? A boat that heavy could never float, <laughs> How does he lure all these animals on? The animals would eat each other. That's impossible. And the little girl is like, she's like, well, when I go to heaven, I'm going to ask Noah myself, you know? <laughs> and the teacher is like, what if Noah didn't go to heaven? And the little girl said, well, then you ask him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. It's kind of, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hang in there, teachers. You're almost there. All right, I just said. Listen, Noah believed God. Noah had faith. Noah believed God was telling the truth before he could see the evidence. And it says, so Noah did everything how? Everything 
exactly as God commanded him to do it. How much did Noah do? Everything. How did he do it? Exactly like God said. Now, let me tell you how most modern Christians do it. We do some of what God wants, a little bit the way he wants it. <laughs> we always choose the easy part, right? Because the part that requires faith, like, I don't want, oh, man, I don't want to look weird. I don't want to, we don't ignore it. We don't bother even to try at all. Because walking by faith actually means you complete what God tells you to do exactly as he told you to do it, even if it seems foolish at first. So understand, when I say walking by faith, it means you go step by step. The trouble is, we want God to show us the second step before we take the first. And it isn't until you take the first step of faith, that when God, that's when God shows you the second step. So people are always like, God, I want to know your plan for my life. I want more revelation from you. And you know what? He's like, why don't you just obey what I've already given you, and then I can give you more. That's why people get stuck spiritually. Maybe you're here today, and you're like, I feel like I'm not growing. I'm just sort of, you know, kind of stuck. Listen, we typically only follow Jesus to the point of precedence. I, well, I've been there before, so that's safe, but I can't go any farther. And we're afraid of doing what's never been done because it's unfamiliar territory to us. And so you know what? You miss out. You miss out on new gifts from God. You miss out on new anointings from God. You miss out on new dreams that God wants to give you. you got to push past the fear of the unknown. Don't let your faith be reduced to the reality of your circumstances. God will tell people to do some crazy things who he uses to change the world. God told Gideon to downsize his army. He told Noah to supersize his boat. In human terms, it doesn't make sense, but God is not limited by human logic. Amen? Faith is acting. It's acting like God's telling the truth before you see the results. Noah exercised faith. He took action even when he couldn't see the evidence. He went out and he chops down the first tree and he spends 120 years obeying God. There ain't a cloud in the sky. In fact, this is cool. In my research, I came across this. Uh, according to Jewish tradition, they say Noah probably didn't start hammering the wood right away. You know what his first step was? Since it took him 120 years, tradition says Noah planted trees first. That's how far out he had to think. He had to till the land, plant the seeds, grow the trees, harvest the wood, saw the planks, build the boat. 120 years of obedience. Day after day, hammering away, hammer. I'm sure there were plenty of times where Noah's like, Lord, I'm, I'm just a little bit tired of hammering today. You know, it's hot. I could use a drink. There's no rain, right? And, but this is where Noah's character comes through. You, you, you see this warrior perseverance, this warrior patience. And I'm reading this. I'm like, I wonder what like, kept him going. Well, the Bible tells us, go back to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. What's it say? Hebrews 11, 7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat. Why? To from the flood. Everyone say, save your family. He built the ark for the salvation of his family because that's what the job of a real warrior is, to save his or her family first things first. Listen, listen, I'm talking to moms and dads here, okay? Men and women of faith don't walk away from their families. They don't abandon their kids and just let the culture go ahead and shape them. Yes, I walk faithfully with God, but I also walk faithfully with my wife, I work faithfully with my children because that's what a real man does. He protects and saves his family first. Even if it's not culturally popular, even if nobody else believes, no, it's like there's going to be eight people who believe my faith. The Bible says there are eight people from his family who went into the ark. Noah, his wife, their three sons, Ham, Japheth, Shem, their wives, eight people total. 
So mom and dad, I'm just, I'm just speaking to you. Understand, your kids follow your example, not my example. They look at me, they're like, he's, he's like a late night talk show host. He's funny. You know, got, they don't listen to me. You're the spiritual leader in your home. And so when they have a Bible question, they'll say, hey, go ask Pastor Tim. You open the Bible. You show them the answer. You teach them how to pray. Let them see you on your knees when you're feeling pressure because you're responsible. You're responsible for your family's salvation. That's what men and women of faith do. We say, I'm responsible even if I'm not the one to blame. So understand what we're here as a church. We are here to support you. But on Sundays, guys, this, this is supposed to be like a halftime locker room talk, you know? I'm like here to inspire you and encourage you, but faith is lived out Monday through Friday, not an hour on Sunday. So don't give away your responsibility. Don't say, oh, you know, the culture, our kids are just like glued to their screens. They're distracted by sports and the music, the headphones. You are the single greatest influence spiritually in your child's life. That's what a man or woman of faith is. It's taking responsibility even if you're not to blame. It was by faith, the Bible says, that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had, man, just never happened before. From start to finish, Noah's act of obeying God took 120 years, the equivalent of 43,800 days. And with every swing of that hammer, Noah glorified God. So let me just tell you, Whatever tool you use Monday through Friday, it may be a hammer, it may be a keyboard, it may be a mop, it may be a spreadsheet, maybe it's an espresso machine. Do it as an act of obedience. The Bible says whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, amen? And you just wait, wait for the rain, because you never know when God's going to bring it. I'm imagining that day, you know, day 43,799, and Noah's like, I'm just hammering again, kind of, and all of a sudden he's just like, oh, what was that, what was it? And another drop, plop, 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 plop. And he just looks up, and all of a sudden, like, Mrs. Noah comes right out, and she's just like, do you feel, do you feel? She's just like, get the kids, 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 get the kids. I want you to imagine all the people who mocked him for 119 years, and the rain, plop, 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 it starts hitting their heads. And in one moment of time, it became crystal clear that the odd man out was a run living straight all along. And it's the world who has been out of shape. Remember, when you walk with God, you will look odd to the world. So I want to encourage those of you who are here and you're walking with God. Maybe you feel discouraged or alone. Maybe you're in your 20s or 30s, you're waiting for the right guy or the gal, but, but you know, they're rejecting you because you won't compromise your standards. You won't just live along. I'm not just going to go along with the hookup culture. Maybe your friends at school, they make fun of you because you're not going to, you know, you're, not, you're just not going to, you know, just go drink and party and all that kind of stuff. Or at work, you're like, I'm not going to jump into the gossip or fudge the numbers because I'm a man or woman of faith. Let me be clear. I want to encourage you. Listen to me, church. There is coming a day where the Lord Jesus Christ will make it crystal clear where he stands. And he says, I'm going to reward those who are walking with me. If you are walking with God, he is standing with you. And there comes a day where everyone knew it that Noah was telling the truth, and they realized their rebellion against God was a lie, but they found out too late. It says when Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, that is highly specific. <laughs> it's like three days after Valentine's Day, here we go. All the, all the underground waters erupted from the earth, 
and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. A few years ago, um, Russell Crowe put out a movie called Noah. Wasn't very good. Uh, don't recommend it to you. But I remember watching, I was, the one thing impressed me, because they did get this like one biblical detail right. Look at this verse. Notice the Bible says the flood began with water erupting from the earth, shooting out of these underground springs. And then came the torrents from the sky. The Bible says it rained 40 days and 40 nights until the entire earth was covered. Genesis says, as the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, let's read it together, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered the highest mountains of the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. So I want you to get this in your head. Everest, Kilimanjaro, the Himalayas, they're all underwater. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land, people, livestock, small animals, birds, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. One family was saved, eight people. Why? Because one man walked faithfully with God. And when judgment came, they were saved by the grace of God. You know, last Sunday, 235 men, women, and children went into the water, right? Into the ocean to demonstrate that they're putting their faith in the death of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and for the salvation of their souls. And you know what? The Bible says, this is a picture, this is a picture of what happened to Noah's family. Noah's mentioned twice in the New Testament. I told you what Jesus said about him. But Peter added to it. Peter said, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were what? Saved through water. And this water symbolizes what? Baptism that now saves you also. And not the removal of dirt from the body, not just physically, but spiritually, the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by what? The resurrection of who? Jesus Christ. Guys, just like the ark was the vessel of salvation in Genesis, Jesus Christ is the ark of salvation for believers today. Jesus is the only way to live straight in a crooked world. Yeah, give him a praise. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to make the counterculture decision. Say, I'm going to live only for God. I'm not going to live for the world, which is a wash in sin. But I'm going to believe. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to have my heart washed clean. Let the Holy Spirit present me before God with a clear conscience. That's what those 235 faith-filled souls did last Sunday. And here's a prom promise. Listen, if you got baptized, listen to me. You have been saved from judgment and sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day that Jesus returns. You have no fear. It's completely secure. You, you don't have to freak out about this stuff because some of you are like, man, I don't like the judgment talk. You don't have to fear judgment. Even though we are, God has chosen you to live in the days of Noah. We are seeing it come true before our eyes. The violence and the arrogance and the lust and the corruption, the decadence. We're seeing wholesale celebration of sin and rebellion against God. We live in the days of Noah, but guess what? The next event on God's calendar is the return of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I'm coming to judge the living and the dead when they least expect it. The Bible says when Christ returns, the majority of the world will not see it coming. People will be going to work. They'll be out for lunch, shopping the mall, going through the Starbucks drive-thru, getting ripped off. Just... <laughs> 
just like in Noah's day. I got to lighten it up a little, right? It's judgment. It's like, right. But just sober, here's what Jesus says. When I return, it's going to be exactly like it was in Noah's day. People enjoying banquets and parties, and people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. There will be a moment where the trumpet sounds and the heaven opens and rain won't come out. Jesus Christ will. And some of us will be saved and some will be judged. Jesus said there'll be two men working side by side in the field and one gets taken and one left. He says there's going to be two women working office side by side. One taken, one left. And then he makes this warning. So you too must what? Keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Jesus said that. And so the Bible, we're try, I'm not trying to scare you. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's telling believers, he's saying, don't be afraid. Because when you see dark days around you, your Savior is coming soon. That's the promise. So for everybody who's trusting in Jesus Christ, when you're walking with God, you will be saved. Amen? You don't have to be afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid, guys. Like, I'm not afraid. Like, part of me was just like, oh, man, it's going to freak some people. I'm like, who cares? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not afraid of it. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's how you get saved. It's how you move from death to life. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm not afraid because, you know, I'm a pastor because I'm perfect. I fall and stumble all the time. You ask my kids. I have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can too. Listen to me. Last detail. God just, this is amazing. This blew my mind. Last detail. God told Noah to waterproof his boat. You remember what he said to put on it? He said, I want you to put tar on it, right? The, the Hebrew word is pitch. Pitch makes it waterproof. In other words, it keeps the water, the judgment out of getting the boat. This is so cool. Pitch is a sealant. The Hebrew word, I've never seen this before. The Hebrew word for pitch is the same root word for atonement. You know what atonement is? Atonement is a spiritual term that refers to the reconciliation of God with humans through faith in Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he atoned for your sins. He paid for every single one of them and washed them clean with his blood. You get it? God sealed the boat with the atonement of pitch. Guess what? Your soul has been sealed with the atonement of Jesus' blood, so you are safe for all eternity. It means you're waterproof. It means you're fireproof because the blood is over you. It's the ark of salvation. Can I ask, are you in the ark? I mean, can I ask that? You know that? I know this. I know this about me. I'm not perfect, but Jesus was perfect. And I said, I'm going to step out of the world, and by faith, I'm going to step into the ark of salvation. And I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus Christ and say, I want to live for you, Lord. Can you say that? Every single person in the sound of my voice, I just need to tell you, you are going to meet Jesus face to face one day, and you get a choice. Will you meet him as your savior, or will you meet him as your judge? You choose. You got to exercise faith. Guys, be prepared for what God's calling you to do in this life. He says, I'll reward you in the life to come. Guys, my prayer is that this church family, we will avoid just being polluted by the world and actually stand up, stand out. We'll stand firm. Live counter to your culture. Stand up for God. Don't have faith, guys. Walk boldly with Jesus. Act like God is telling the truth even when nobody sees the results. That's my prayer for us as a church. As your pastor, guys, I don't want liquid to be known, you know, for our size or our, our, our people or our big outreaches. All that stuff is great. Guys, let us be known that those are the folks who walk faithfully with their God. They walk like Noah. May, may that be what we are remembered for. Amen? Pray with me. Father God, I thank you, Father. I feel even right now, I know there's people, Lord, 
who need to enter the ark. God, I'm literally, I see the door. It's open, Father God. It's Jesus Christ saying, come. I'm opening the door. Come on in. Come on in. Get saved today. This is that moment. Father God, I pray that those will push aside their objections, their cynicism, Father God. We have been brainwashed by this world. Holy Spirit, bring your truth right now to bear on every man and woman's heart. Father God, as they pray a prayer of salvation. If you're here today, you've never been saved. I want to make this super clear. You can be saved today, this moment. It is not complicated. It is as simple as ABC. A means you just have to admit your sin. You're part of the problem. I am. B, you believe in Jesus, that he died for you. That was for you. He took your sin on that cross. And he says, I'm going to give you my righteousness. You trust him as a savior. And then C, you commit your whole life to follow him in faith. Father God, I pray right now for men and women who will pray this prayer for the first time, God. We are building a firm foundation right now that can't be shaken. If that's you, Father, I, I ask um, you hear our prayers, Lord, from our hearts in our own language. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud, church. You can pray it out loud after me in faith. Say, dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm part of the problem. I need a savior. Jesus, save me. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised to life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I turn from my sin. I want to live for you. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. I commit to follow you. Father, I pray right now for people who prayed that for the first time. Seal it by your Holy Spirit, God that they have been saved by the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for Noah, for all the heroes of faith that you're forming in this church, Lord. Let us be righteous in our generation, not for our glory, but for Jesus Christ alone. In Jesus' name, everybody said together. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, welcome.